It's the Immaculate Vibe Volume 1. Um, I've been debating on back and forth on if this format would work for me. You know, usually shows have another person to bounce off or somebody researching and stuff like that. But uh, the only way to find out is if it's going to work is if I do it. So the first episode I want to start with, Dance Hall to the World. Dance Hall's influence on the world, right? Before I start, let me guys tell you a story about my experiences over the last six months having to do with not just dance hall, but with just West Indian music, right? Um, I feel like I've started since October. I went to a, um, a Miami Carnival Festival. Burning Boy was the headliner. And I've talked about that previously on my channel, but basically um, I didn't know it was a carnival event. I thought it was just a Burner Boy, like a festival, and Burner Boy was the headliner, right? I have no experience with carnival whatsoever until that point. And just being in that environment and like really seeing the impact of how music affects a different community or how music is like taken in by people that aren't from where I'm from was very eye-opening, right? And the more you dig into some of these West Indian cultures and some of these West Indian types of music, you realize that a lot of the stuff that's popular today is a direct byproduct of what was going on there, right? I think the most interesting thing about art is that there's nothing, technically there's nothing new under the sun, right? Like everything is, I feel like a compilation of previous ideas and influences from other places. And so like some of the stuff that we see going on in the music industry today that's really popular is taking one or two things from a specific genre or from a specific artist and putting it in a different like a different palette or remixing it in a different way and that blew it up right i think one of the biggest things that i've noticed as of late is just how reggaeton is a billion dollar industry reggaeton is a direct subgenre of dancehall of reggae right and just to see like what really made it that is one of the most interesting things to me i think um, there was an interview that Shaggy and Spice did on The Breakfast Club a little while ago. I posted that on my page where Shaggy was talking about why reggaeton and why Afrobeats are doing so well now versus dancehall. He was basically saying that the beat that the 90s and 2000s dancehall was running on, the rhythm, the rhythm, is what reggaeton sort of ran with, the dembo beat and things of that nature, and Afrobeats post post 2000s not pre 2000s right so not fella kuti not that influence but like afro fusion the stuff that's popular now burner boy Wizkid, thames things of that nature like that's popular primarily off the beat and when i think about it like the thing that i love about both of those genres is like you can tell when a song is made for you to dance to it it's very clear in the way that they go about structuring the songs. The beats in reggaeton are very clear. It's like, yo, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get you to dance. Now people do it in their own ways. They have their own styles and other people are successful for other reasons. But primarily the thing I noticed that somebody who doesn't speak Spanish about the music there is that that's the goal. They just want to get you to dance. So when you, so I'm going to dive back into the history a little bit, just to give people some context as to, maybe how it became even a genre, right? And this is very, this is me piecing together what I've read along with some things that I've seen. And I'm just sort of painting a broad picture. So I might get some details 
a little misconstrued or incorrect, but I'm going to do my best to sort of like lay this out for people who don't know. Right. So back in the 40s and 50s, um, DJs were doing these like parties out in the streets. The street sounds like kind of harsh, but literally out in the streets, they would load up their vans with their DJ equipment. And these groups called sound systems would have these street parties in these open air, in these open air in these open areas, right? So like sometimes there were backyards, sometimes there were parks, things of that nature. And they were referred to as dance halls, right? And so what initially was happening was a lot of people were listening to music on records and a lot of the biggest music in the world was American record labels, American rhythm and blues. And so what they would do was they would take these these records that would be released every so often in America and then they would go and play them at these parties. And sound systems became really popular by having music that people hadn't heard before and just having music that people hadn't heard before, right? And so a lot of the times they were starting off playing these music from rhythm and blues. A lot of local artists, but initially the big thing, the big draw was the American rhythm and blues. And that's because, and I mean, it it makes sense, right? It's a thing that's way more foreign to them than the stuff that's being created there in jamaica right like it's just something different so i can see how that could be the draw initially now as time goes on these sound systems have to find more ways to be creative to get people to draw to come because you know more people are going to start doing it more people are going to have records so what a lot of these djs and these selectors in these sound systems which were groups of djs what they would do is they would take the instrumental on the back end of the song and then they would start making their own songs and their own remixes or exclusives off the off the back of that right and obviously as they started doing more of this they started creating more of their own sound um, as time went on in the american market like they were obviously on a release schedule which they still are but at that time it was like what are we going to listen to or what are we going to play for people at parties in between releases so they just started making a lot more of their own music and rhythm and blues formed and started transitioning into rock and roll and that's when you start to see like the genres in jamaica specifically but west indian genres really take off in that area like they sort of abandoned a lot of the music that was going on in the 60s 70s for their own thing and rightly rightfully so right like they had their own things to offer and this is sort of where i sort of started getting a little bit lost in terms of like how you get to 2000s and 90s dance hall which was like if you want to give it a peak that's the peak but what i can tell you was the first dj who was signed to an american record label was yellow man right and he had an interesting sound and a persona you could start to see why looking back on it you see why he sort of stuck out like just being somebody who was albino and talking about the things that he was talking about he was very hypersexualized and women like that so i could see why that was a draw to other people in other places and you start to go on and you start to see more spikes and more artists start to be successful, right? And I guess the first star after Yellow Man would be like Shaba Ranks or something like that. And the the environment in which a lot of this music was created and played directly correlates with music today. And what I mean by that is just the the sound systems when they started having real success like some of them that i saw were called uh tom the great sebastian tokyo the monarch 
Downbeat. Those were a couple of names that I saw that were notable at the time. But what a lot of these these groups would do, they would have like what they called clashes, right? Where it's basically the two sound systems or the two groups basing off. And when you think about like modern, that's what the basis of modern hip hop was. And the guy who came and initially started the the beat breaks in New York was a Jamaican DJ named Cool Herc. And you go overseas, which is, I guess it would be more relevant, the clashes overseas now than it is here. I feel like there's still battle rap here and there's still some essence of that and people know about it. But I think the grime scene over in the UK also, like they also took direct influence from there in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s when they started letting more immigrants come over to London. A lot of Jamaicans went over there too. And that was the basis for a lot of modern day rap, whether it's grime, whether it's hip hop, like a lot of that comes from the the culture that is clashes in Jamaica. You know what I mean? And it's so crazy that it took it took it being born there and being popularized somewhere else. And I think that's you look at patterns of just art. That's usually what happens. Right. Like I just posted a video about Daddy Yankee a little bo- a little while ago, and there's people in the comments saying like, "Oh, he didn't found it. He didn't found it. He didn't create it." And nowhere in the video did I say he created it. I know he didn't create it, but he popularized it, right? Like if you're able to look at what somebody else is doing, you're like that's almost gonna work. I see that a lot in art, and then you take it and just do a little tweak, and it's out of here. I think I think honestly the other the only other influence that's worth noting, at least in this instance, is the beat is the um, reggaeton beat, the dembo beat that a lot of reggaeton and a lot of just Dembo and the DR is based off of comes from a song from Shabba Ranks. And Shabba Ranks had Dembo in 90, this might be, I'm gonna throw it up on screen. I think it's 91. And then El, El General, El General from Panama, he did a cover of the song in uh, 1992 called Sonbo. And that song kind of like reverberated through Central America and the West Indian and Spanish speaking communities. And that just that even little pocket right there, right? Like Panama became uh Panama became the birthplace, if you want to say, of reggae and espanol or reggaeton, whatever you want to call the the birth of it, right? Because people go back and forth on that. Those were a lot of like Jamaican immigrants who moved to Panama to help build the Panama Canal. Like a lot of them moved over there during that time and they brought their culture and their music with them. When they did that, they had to find a way to like connect it to the people that were already there, the Spanish speakers there. So as they were learning to speak Spanish, they just did a lot of covers of their favorite songs from from home in Spanish, you know what I mean? And then, you know, for some reason, it just reverberated throughout everywhere else and then Puerto Rico took it and Puerto Rico popularized reggaeton. I don't think you can really take that away from them. But you have to acknowledge that it didn't start there. You know what I mean? And that's fine. I think it's acknowledged it's and not or. So another big one that I've started noticing recently is covers. It's not tricky, but it's interesting to watch how certain groups of people react to covers. If you go to any West Indian event, you go to any West Indian performance, it's more about the songs than it is the person a lot, a lot of times it's more about the songs than the person performing the songs. And it's just about what people are going to like. Like when I went to that event back in October, the fact that they were performing Shaggy songs, they were performing Sean Paul songs because they were the biggest songs. And Sean Paul wasn't there. Shaggy was there for one song, but people were performing his songs for him while he was sitting there. 
you know what i mean and i think that's one it's a sign of respect in a way it's like yo this music is timeless this music lives on without you we don't really not that we don't need you like we're obviously grateful for what you did but it's like yo this is a bop and we're gonna play it regardless and i think that's like i think in recent memory the one that stuck out the most to me in this regard was jacques like jacques he did covers for LMA a little while ago and the internet was sort of like making it a thing. And at the time I was like, I guess I understand why it's like, it's not his song, but whatever. But now that I have even more context as to like how covers live on in other cultures, I'm like, bro, what the fuck were we doing? Like, I think we get away so much. The optic of the artist and the music becomes more important than the music itself. And that's one thing I wish if I want to see anything back in music or more, maybe, maybe not more, but like, I wouldn't mind seeing more covers, right? Like covers when done the right way are amazing, right? They refresh a song and a sound that is timeless. So every week with this podcast, I'm going to be releasing a playlist that goes along with it. A lot of songs that have, have to do with what I'm talking about, a lot of songs that I'm listening to at the moment, a lot of songs that I feel are relevant, and it's called The Immaculate Vibe. It'll be in the link of the bio. Um, it'll be in the description. So if you're trying to sort of see where my head's at, that's what I'm trying to like do with this podcast. I'm trying to let you guys in to what this music is making me think about, what it's making me feel. And I think that having a running playlist of like this type of music that's going along with what I'm talking about and just stuff that I'm listening to, right? Like you, I think context is everything, right? So if you look at the songs that I'm playing the most along with the stuff I'm putting in there, I think it'll sort of give you a better understanding of where I'm at. So if anybody wants to like give me some more background, like I said, I love learning about this stuff. So if anybody wants to bring some more background information, give me some songs or some albums to listen to, like, I've really been listening, in terms of dance hall, a lot of the artists I've been listening to have been Bonnie Killer, Beanie Man, um, Spice, Vibes Cartel, like, the big names, but if there are smaller names in there that are really good, really dope, that I need to check out, somebody please give them to me. Let me know, because I'm just here, I'm just a sponge trying to soak it up. So if anybody has any information for me in the dance hall realm, give me more information. Let me know. Um, this is the first episode, you know, like 20 minutes is pretty good, I think. Um, this will be interesting to see how it goes. Like, like I said, I think I feel like a lot of my best thoughts and ideas come from when I'm able to just talk and expound on things. And for a while, it was like I see everybody doing a podcast with somebody, and I just never felt like I had a, a reliable, consistent person who I could do that with on a day to day. And so, if I gotta do it myself, I will. And I think, you know, we'll see after 25 episodes where this goes. We'll see after 100 episodes where this goes, you know. But I think this is a good first episode. So, um, that's the end. That's the immaculate vibe.